because he's the poster boy of forgotten loner music. You know, it's like you put it on and you're like, this is one of the best things I've ever heard in my life immediately. Hey, what's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Accolades Conversation Series, in which I talk to some of my favorite artists about who or what they would recommend me checking out. Make sure to subscribe or hit that like button. Holy Sons is a one-man solo band built around American songwriter and drummer Emil Amos. Amos is notable for releasing genre-bending albums, according to LA Weekly music reviewer Chris Martins, and for being a prolific songwriter. One account in Spike magazine suggests he has written over a thousand songs. Amos is a multi-instrumentalist for groups such as Grails, Om, and Lilix and Champagne. Amos was born of the lo-fi home recording movements of the 80s and the early 90s. I talked to Emil about Jimmy Campbell. Jimmy Campbell started in music at school forming the band The Panthers. They supported the Beatles in January 1962. The band performed at the Cavern on numerous occasions and one show broadcast on Radio Luxembourg saw them introduced as the Kirkbees by Bob Wooler, the presenter of the show, Sunday night at the Cavern. Wooler felt that changing the name of the group to that of their hometown would help expand its fan base. The name stuck and the group released a single, It's a Crime, in 1966 at the tail end of the Mercy Beat era. Jimmy moved on from the Mercy sound to the newly evolving psychedelic scene, renaming the band to the 23rd Turnoff. The name was taken from the motorway sign indicating the nearby M6 exit. Here he found his Liverpool roots placed him at a disadvantage with the scene establishing itself in London. Described by Bob Stanley of the Times as the era's lost songwriter, Campbell wrote a number of songs recorded by other artists. Cliff Richards, Billy Furry, The Swinging Blue Jeans, and Rolf Harris all covered songs of Campbell's. Although Campbell did not achieve acclaim in the 1960s and 1970s, his work later came to be well regarded, with Will Sargent naming Campbell's single Michelangelo recorded with the 23rd Turnoff, among his top 10 psychedelic records. The Guardian included the 2004 compilation album The Dream of Michelangelo in its list of 1000 albums to hear before you die. If you're into my illustrations, this accolade series started as an illustration book, which you can still get on our website, CrateRecords.com. Anyway, without further ado, this is what Emil had to say. I, I was kind of surprised. You got like uh, Ian Mackay. You've got like some pretty, pretty big wigs in this shit. Yeah. <laughs> Who did Ian choose? Ian chose uh, Daniel Hicks. Oh, nice. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but so yeah, I'm, I'm I'm trying to like do these interviews. But the, the thing is, like my second book that I'm now working on is more hip hop and producer related because I have oh, wow. a, a whole batch of uh, electronica artists also. But I, I I split them up into two uh, books instead of one. And uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm trying to like keep the the interviews going because I notice people start to like come back to everything mm. uh, when I do these. So and it's also fun to do. So I, that's that's the reason why I'm doing it. So the hip hop book is basically the same exact formula, uh, but uh, you, you notice an immediate different than genre names and stuff like that are coming back. So uh, I'm, I'm in a huge phase again of collecting those records. Um, yeah, and I, I mean, actually, once when you say it that way, it makes me think um, most hip hop fans 
probably disappointingly would probably choose a lot of the same people. Yes. So like what, but so like when you get the hip hop, like super heads, they're not going to because they're like obsessed with records. That's a different. Uh, that's a difference between uh, and and hip hop. If you if you talk to a big artist, mm-hmm. you get a very random like right an answer you're not looking for. And and if you like, if you talk to a DJ or you talk to like, a, sometimes I'm surprised, but I, I I know in advance mostly what I'm dealing with. So, and and, and yeah, it, yeah. Was, it was the same thing with rock. Like I. I, I try to publish. I try to publish everything because I, I also think people can answer this question the way they want. So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not, you know. But of course, it's for me. I, some of the answers were more interesting than other answers, which is which is mm-hmm. odd, of course. So I'd actually be interested to see the choices on that because you know, yeah, you know, they're gonna say Rakim, you know, but like. Yeah. <laughs> they're gonna say schoolie d or you yes. know what i mean like how smart are they? that's also something with hip-hop artists without without wanting to be like too stereotyped but <laughs> it's sure i get two answers uh, how much how much is in it for me and and second of all is can i name myself that's another one that i get a lot no uh, that's kind of sad <laughs> wow i mean you have to if you want to name yourself you better be cool muggy <laughs> Yeah, that's kind of sad. <laughs> you know, I've thought about it for a long time, and I, I really have to volunteer myself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's weird, but you know, let's jump into it. Okay, so uh, the question was, uh, if you want to give accolades to somebody, who would that be? Who is the first person that comes to mind, and why? Well, I I chose Jimmy Campbell because maybe when you hit me up, that was like the big head phase I was in, uh, you know, he's kind of one of those people you, you get all four of his records or whatever, and then you're done, you know? So it's like, that's all you get. And then you just try to find his like early bands and, and you obsess, but then there's nothing else after that. And he, he disappeared kind of somewhat tragically. And when you meditate on these people that, are perfect to obsess about. You know, we know nothing really about them. We don't know, we don't know what kind of person they really were, you know? You could kind of speculate. He was probably a little troubled from the music. Um, but when I think about why they didn't reach success, which of course is kind of like part of the meditation, they, I think, I think Gene Clark, Jimmy Campbell, and more recently, there's a band called the cleaners from Venus. That's like a kind of legendary four track band from Britain. And they're like, they're sort of like the guided by voices of the eighties. They're, they're, they're one of the great, great home recording bands. Um, but when I think about it, if I went back in a time machine and I played Jimmy Campbell for anyone on the street or anyone in the club or anyone on the label, I think they would all just be pretty stunned. You know, they'd be like, this is amazing. Like how many records is it selling? Like, what, you know, can I see him play? You know, like how's it, you know, is he going on tour with the stones or whatever, you know? And I would just be like, no, he's not, he's not doing, I mean, you never heard of him. You know, you, you may never hear of him. And they, I think they would unilaterally shrug and be like, Oh, that's too bad. And never think about him again. And I think there's something about, the curse of Jimmy Campbell that is fascinating because what what's happening is that this 
this Buddha or this kind of Christ character or whatever in the metaphor is walking down the street and society is just parting around them and saying, we have no interest in you because you're simply not famous enough. We don't care about you because we don't have the willpower to think for ourselves and create a space for you. And if it's not created for us, if it's not spoon fed to us through the machine, then you, you don't exist. And there's something about that guy that exemplifies, he's the poster boy of forgotten loner music. You know, it's like you put it on and you're like, this is one of the best things I've ever heard in my life immediately. And you look him up and no one knows who he is. How did you find out about him? In that case, I was just in this Brooklyn record store called Human Head, which is actually a dope store. They're, they're really cool people. And uh, I just was flipping through the old like British folk section. And it was like, it's this bizarre cover where he's like dressed like a clown, which is just seems like so ironic because he's literally just like discarded. Um, and I just, I just put it on and bought it. It was one of those lucky things like Alan Hall where I was just in a store and put on the record and, that my obsession began usually with things like that you're going to hear the song cherry picked in like a, a film or something but mm -hmm. it was like two weeks later or something after i heard his song like in my room i like looked at my phone and like steve shelley from sonic youth had said matt sweeney gave him this this song check it out same song and then i think i see like I think Angel Olsen did like a pitchfork thing. I'm like, oh, somehow, like we all heard about this guy at the same time and no one was really like hit by one thing. It just kind of like he reemerged because culture was ready for him. And I'm pretty sure he's gotta be dead, but I don't know. And I'm pretty sure he experienced nothing good from all the stuff he made He was a hundred percent forgotten within his lifetime. And I, that, I mean, that's the funny thing is like, I know what that feels like to walk down the street and be at your most, your, the high point of your artistic inner, you know, sort of accomplishments in an, in an internal way and have the world just like not even see you there. There's, it's really a sad feeling and yet at the same time if you want to take a step back and just be a little bit more eastern about it it's like that's the capitalist poison that you're trying to drink and and like that doesn't mean that you weren't great that doesn't mean that jimmy campbell wasn't one of the greatest songwriters in the world at his time it just means that you didn't have a lot of money that he didn't have lines of girls around the block like the Beatles, whatever. It's like, that's the challenge with dissecting Jimmy Campbell is that it forces you to question your own values and why you listen to music. And that is a beautiful thing. Mm -hmm. As for like what I'm doing uh, and what I did with music, my music is not going to be heard by anybody anymore ever. But what I had is like traveling around the world and what I had was working on it with friends and i think that's looking back at it that might be the only thing that i need to get out of it and i noticed it more with these books than i did back then 
Uh, nowadays, I get anxiety when I put out a book, but working on the book for two years gives me like the perfect thing. You know, like it's like as as long as there's no like expectation made into it, it's perfect for me. I used to be the opposite. Like it was like we put something out and like immediately the second release without even noticing you're starting to think too much about what you're doing for some reason. Yeah. And, and you know, I think that's like the big trap for a lot of artists is that, you know, like, and especially I can imagine if you're like a bigger artist or like the biggest artist that the f downfall after that is probably yeah. bigger and even, yeah, but it's, it's an interesting story. <laughs> it's, it's yeah. I think, I think maybe in the future that there's this possibility that, there'll be a positive effect of the fact that it's impossible to become famous when, when everyone's famous and everybody makes, you know, bullshit that you have to weed through on Spotify or whatever, this, this kind of horrifying frontier that we're in. But like, maybe there's a good payoff in that the time we grew up in was loaded with total bullshit because it was the eighties. I was just listening to that, that, that scene I was just watching that scene in Boogie Nights last night where he's singing like, you've got the touch, you've got the power, you know? And it's like this inspirational rock zone. That's what we grew up in. Like inspirational horseshit that you have to buy, you know? And it was Karate Kid, you know, never ending story. Yep. Like fucking Back to the Future. The idea is that you, you alone, you special little boy are going to save the universe. It was like a horrible message because it's so <laughs> fucking fake. And maybe in the future, kids won't grow up with that kind of fantasy as much. And maybe it'll be a good thing. I, I don't know. I want to thank my guests, Emil Amos, for his contribution to my book and also to the series. Uh, you can still buy my book on CrateRecords.be. The second book is in the making, as you heard in the interview. Next week on episode 42, I'm talking to Karen Leonard about John Berger. This is part of the series I'm going to be doing in association with Weldewesten for their uh, festival Sonic City. Thanks for listening.